big news, because we had so much fun at our last live show, we're doing it again. That's right. We're going live again, but this time we're going to the Ripped Bodice in Brooklyn, which is an absolute dream come true of a location. This show is going to be part of a larger romance festival being put on by Fish Market Theater Company. And I'll give you details about all of the awesome events that they'll have going on that weekend soon. But for now, head on over to the ticket link in the show notes and get your tickets for our performance, which will be on March 9th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We don't have streaming set up quite yet, but we're working on it because we know a lot of you aren't in New York. But if you are or if you can get here, we hope that you'll get your tickets and come join us because it's going to be a blast. Hey, everyone. Before we begin today, we want to thank our newest patrons, Carly and Jofi. Welcome to the team. Plus, a pronunciation correction for our patron, Finn. If you want to be like these awesome people and get access to bonus content like our notes, outtakes, bonus episodes, and more, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podandprejudice. And now, enjoy this week's episode covering chapters 33 and 34 of Emma. Are you ready? I am. Are we recording? We are. Well, then this is Becca. This is Molly. We are here to talk about Jane Austen. We are here specifically to talk about Emma! Listeners, if you're new here, I, Becca, have read many a Jane Austen novel. And I, Molly, have never read Jane Austen before now. If you want to hear Molly read through Pride and Prejudice or Sense and Sensibility for the first time, you can listen to seasons one and two of this podcast respectively, but that is not what we're doing here today. Nope. Today we are talking about volume two, chapters 15 and 16 of Emma, or if your book isn't broken up into volumes, that's chapters 33 and 34. And this is where I cut a dinner party in half, guys. My bad. I just thought the chapters were too long. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to make Molly read through all of a a massive dinner party by herself. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I feel like in the course of a week or two or whenever we record, I never have time to read more than two chapters. Listen, this works out well because then also we can go like a little deeper and the thing about Emma as a book is that the chapters are a little longer than some of our other books we've read so there's more to unpack and by more to unpack I mean more sass yeah there's just more sass in this book and particularly in some of these chapters because of who that's right Augusta Hawkins herself Uh, the worst (laughs) oh oh yeah Augusta Augusta will aggravate you Hmm. Okay, so there are a lot of villains we've had in Jane Austen novels so far. We've had our Wickham, we've had our Willoughby, we've had our Fanny Dashwood. For some reason, Augusta Hawkins is like more annoying than all of them. She's just irritating. (laughs) So irritating. It's the like absolute conviction that she's better than you and the thing is that everybody knows augusta hawkins in real life and she talks like this Mm -hmm. and said things like "Mm, are you sure you want to wear that Mm. Mm, poor thing have you ever thought maybe that's why you're single (laughs) she's like oh my gosh i should introduce you to my best friend's cousin uh yeah i mean he's just like a little bit more in your wheelhouse you know yeah 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 <laughs> she's she's awful um I feel like there's a character in pop culture that I'm just like picturing 
Um, but I can't think of who it is. What are you? Why are you laughing at me? Because there's a modern day adaptation of Emma that's very famous. Is it? Is it? Are you talking about Clueless? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I've seen it, so maybe I just have this image in my head. Yes, I'm not gonna confirm or deny anything, but that's why I was laughing. But um, who's who's another good example of this kind of character? Um, there's like like Sharpay. I mean Sharpay, but justice for Sharpay. We love Sharpay, but like if Sharpay was the worst. Listen, we've all been the musical theater girl who tried too hard in high school and then got outshone by just like the shy but popular girl. Is High School Musical based on Emma? I mean, Vanessa Hudgens truly plays Jane Fairfax to a T in that movie. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, she's Jane Fairfax. Um... Sharpay is well I guess in the in that case well yeah do you know who did jump to my head hmm. Lana from Princess Diaries Mandy Moore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes exactly yeah um you're so right and she's like fa- fake nice oh yeah when she when she realizes that uh Anne Hathaway's hot yeah exactly just like a bully who wants to like appropriate people for her own means yeah yeah. <laughs> so should we talk about the chapters? Oh, yeah, let's. So Mrs. Elton just, as we've been saying, thinks she is hot shit. And similarly, Mr. Elton thinks she's hot shit. He thinks he has brought someone into Highbury who is better than Emma. Which, how dare? How dare? I mean, he <laughs> does he really think that? Or is he just like, look, I'm married? Well, again, we have Emma, the unreliable narrator. For sure. And so... um. You know, you could read this as Mr. Elton is stupid enough to think that because she's rich, she has the same class polish that Emma has, Mm -hmm. which she clearly doesn't. Right. Or you could read it as Mr. Elton being like, I'm going to parade around my new wife so my ex can suck it. Yeah, his ex. (laughs) Wasn't even his ex. Never liked him. Exactly. But like, listen, that happens sometimes. So true. So true. So the general public, like Miss Bates, et cetera, take it for granted that Mrs. Elton is just as hot shit as she says she is. Um, And Emma doesn't contradict this to anyone. She's just like, yes, she's very well dressed and um, pleasant and that's all she ever says about Mm her Mrs. Elton then gets worse because she realizes Emma doesn't like her and starts not liking Emma back and to Emma that's the worst possible offense yes (laughs) Um, Emma is very pleased that this means that Mrs. Elton doesn't want to be her friend anymore but at the same time she likes being liked so she's salty about it both the Eltons are rude to Harriet and it becomes obvious that Mrs. Elton knows that Harriet used to have a thing for Mr. Elton and Emma's pretty sure that she that Elton has told her bad things about Emma as well. Do you think that's true? Do you think Emma's just like catastrophizing and being anxious? I think Emma thinks people talk about her more than they do. (laughs) She's like, I'm pretty sure my my own role in the whole Harriet thing has been painted in a negative light and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you think they're thinking about you more than they are. And she's like, the two Eltons sit around in their home and talk shit about me. Yeah, she's like, when they run out of things to talk about, the easiest thing to do would be to talk shit about Emma. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to talk shit about Miss Woodhouse. Oh my God, she feels so bad for herself. It's iconic. It's so good. 
<laughs> Wait, it's like that meme. I've been waiting for Emma for that meme from New Girl where it's like, this is the hardest thing I've ever had <gasps> to go through. I haven't had a very hard life. Oh my God. Wait, you're so right. That's Emma in every chapter of this book. Oh my God. I can't wait to use it. Now you see why I made you save it, Yes, right? <laughs> Listeners, I tried to make a meme for, I think that was Pride and Prejudice. Um, No, it was... For Sense and Sensibility, when they had to move to Barton Cottage, I was like, I want to use this meme of Jess from New Girl saying, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. I haven't had a very hard life. And Becca said, no, save it for an unnamed character in the future. And I was like, oh, okay. For Emma. And here it is. (laughs) Here it is. So I've been waiting. Mrs. Elton just loves Jane Fairfax in a gay way. And... She just really won't stop talking about her. Normally, I would agree with you, but also at the same time, Mrs. Elton's so fucking straight, but everyone being attracted to Jane Fairfax is canon. Yes. I mean, it's like, do I want to be her or do her? We're going to talk about that in the study question. Amazing. I love it. So anyway, she loves Jane Fairfax and Emma, you know, notes that she doesn't just love Jane Fairfax because... Emma turned her friendship down, so she has to go to the next eligible young lady for friendship. But she just seems to, she always liked Jane, even before Emma turned her friendship down. And why might she? Well, Jane's great. Not only that, but Jane's very uh, unassuming. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and Mrs. Elton loves when people are unassuming because it makes her feel really good about herself. Not to mention the fact that, like, even if she doesn't like Emma as a person, Emma is better than her. Yes. In some ways. And like she probably picks up on the fact that Emma thinks that. Mm-hmm. Jane is poor and refined at the same time. Perfect catch for her. Yeah. Because she's beautiful. But Mrs. Elton doesn't have to be upset about that because Mrs. Elton's married. Right. Um, she's accomplished, which means she's a good companion, but she is beneath Mrs. Elton because she has no money. Yeah, and she like she knows that her status is lower than Mrs. Elton, so she's not going to try to make herself seem better than Mrs. Elton. And and Mrs. Elton likes to feel like the head honcho mm-hmm. of a friendship. She yes. wants she basically wants a Harriet. How Emma has a Harriet. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting, mm. interesting parallels. Yeah, <laughs> dishy. So, oh, it says that she the way she behaves or like talks about Jane is knight errant, which I had to look up. And it means, well, it literally means a medieval knight wandering in search of chivalrous adventures. So the way that she's like just picking things out, she's like, oh, I'm going to help uh, Jane with that. Like I'm going to, oh, Jane needs someone to do this for her. I'm going to do that or, you know, take her shopping or. Poor Jane. She needs so much help. Let me rescue her. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like a knight wandering around aimlessly being like, oh, I'll help you. Mm-hmm. Damsel in distress. Yes, yes. She says she doesn't want to let Jane's talents go to waste. And then she recites poetry, which I just thought was a great nod back to Elton's terrible (laughs) poetry at the beginning. It's so good. They're a perfect match. Uh, They really aren't they, though? They are. Like, it's so hard to say that they're like a a hapless, like, group of people just in an economic proposition when they're perfect for each other. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Emma, at one point, she's like talking with Emma about this. And Emma is like, you know, Jane's situation isn't as dire as you're making it seem. Like, you know, once you find out how she grew up, she grew up with the Campbells. Like, she had a great life. And Mrs. Elton's like, but that's all over now. Her life is basically over. Uh, And she knows it. That's where she says she's timid and silent, and she likes her like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> because she likes to be the one talking. You don't know you're beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what makes you beautiful. And I have so many problems with that song and I have so many problems with Mrs. Elton. So, yeah, it goes with the same with the poetry as well. Full many a flower is born to blush unseen and waste its fragrance on the desert air. Basically saying like, oh, poor Jane. She doesn't even know how special she is. Yeah, exactly. Emma starts to say that, you know, everyone already loves Jane so much. Like people show her attention. It'd be hard to show her more attention. But as she's saying this, Mrs. Eldon cuts her off. And she's like, no, no, no. But you and I, we have the resources to help her. And other people, when they see us helping her, will follow. And I noticed that Mrs. Elton does this a couple times in this chapter where she likes to say like, oh, well, we are going to do this. Like she does this with Emma right now. And then she does it later with Mrs. Weston where she's like, oh, but you and I must do this together. You know what we're going to do? We're going to brunch. Yeah, exactly. We're going to brunch. Exactly. I'll text you because we're going to brunch. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So judgmental of women with high pitched voices. (laughs) Hey, listen, I have a high-pitched voice. No, of course. And as a, as a woman who sometimes gets into a valley girl accent, I know it's not an indicator of intelligence, but it's just so much fun. <laughs> it is To fun. do your classic rom-com accent from California. Yeah. <laughs> and she is literally going like, well, we're going to brunch. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to brunch. Just have to go somewhere that we can be like healthy because I don't want to get like bloated. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, no, like, we got to get acai bowls. Yeah, but acai, but like with the side of like a, like a, like a tequila sunrise maybe i feel like i just feel like mimosas are too sugary mimosas are cliche it's it's just like cliche i want to be a little classier but also like a little drunker like what's the point if i'm gonna drink a drink with brunch and it's not gonna get me like a little tipsy the first time around you know what i mean (laughs) i'm augusta (laughs) i'm augusta (laughs) augusta oh we hate her so Then she goes on to say that, like, she lives in such a style where, like, there will always be enough food for Jane because she's more likely to, you know, have too much food because she's used to extravagance in her lifestyle and she would never regret having Jane over. Like, there would never not be enough. My greatest danger, perhaps, in housekeeping may be quite the other way, in doing too much, in being too careless of expense. (laughs) I just spent so much money making my house so perfect. Yeah, exactly. She says that she's going to take Jane under her wing and introduce her to her extensive acquaintance, which I think is funny because she's the one who just moved there. Like, Jane knows everyone already. So who is she going to introduce her to? Well, she's like, this dinky little town has nothing to offer. And so let me take Jane to where real people are speaking of brunch. Oh, she's like, oh, we're going to take her to London. Yeah, she's like, let me show you, like, actually, my girlfriends are going to have, like, the best fucking time. And we're going to go brunch. And, like, then you'll have, like, a way to meet, like, a husband. Because you're just, like, you're too, like, pretty to be poor. You're too pretty to be poor. (laughs) Wait, what is that from? It's not from anything. I just said it. I feel like there's a line in something where it's like, I'm too pretty to be poor. You're thinking of Bridesmaids where she goes, help me, I'm poor. No, I've never seen Bridesmaids. Ooh, that's that's recorded. That's on air, folks. She hasn't seen Bridesmaids. I know. Mel and I were just talking about this the other day. She was shocked. So I am shocked you have not seen Bridesmaids. You know Melissa McCarthy is in it, right? Uh-huh. I know she poops in the street. <laughs> she doesn't poop in the street. Maya Rudolph poops in the street. Where does Melissa McCarthy poop? A, a sink? A sink. Oh, all right. <laughs> See, that scarred me, just like knowing that. I think I've seen that scene and I had to leave. But yes, she also says she's going to introduce her to her brother and sister and take her around in the Barouche Landau. 
not the Barouche Landau. <laughs> um, Emma's response to this. Emma says, poor Jane Fairfax, you have not deserved this. You may have done wrong with regard to Mr. Dixon, but this is punishment beyond what you can have merited. <laughs> the kindness and protection of Mrs. Elton, Jane Fairfax, and Jane Fairfax. Heavens, let me not suppose that she dares goes about Emma Woodhousing me. But upon my honor, there seem no limits to the licentiousness of that woman's tongue. Uh, uh, it's like we've been waiting for someone who deserves Emma's level of sass. And we, and we found, found we found her. We found her in Augusta. We really did. Thank God for Augusta. God bless Augusta. <laughs> um, for our listeners who may not know what licentious means, it means disregarding accepted rules or conventions, especially in grammar or literary style. Um, basically, she can Emma Woodhouse her all she wants because she's got no not got no game. Um, I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> no, I I got what you mean. She 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 talks poorly. Luckily, Emma never has to hear her say anything like dear miss woodhouse because shortly after that is when she decides she doesn't like emma anymore and stops talking to her um emma is amused to watch miss bates and mrs elton interact because miss bates is like the exact kind of person that mrs elton likes to be around because she's like oh yes 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 like very grateful to be talked to by her and um very supportive of everything that she says and so she's like you can just adore me i don't care what else you say exactly yeah Emma's surprised, however, that Jane so willingly accepts the attention from Mrs. Elton and, like, hangs out with her. She would have thought that Jane's pride and taste could not endure Mrs. Elton, which is interesting. Emma has made this decision that Jane is proud and has, you know, high tastes. And Well, I mean, I don't even think it's that. First of all, Mrs. Elton, as we've learned, is classless in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And Jane is polished. That's part of the reason people think of her as a good match for Emma. She's in tune with what high society should be like. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, it's not even that Jane is proud. It's that Mrs. Elton is so demeaning to Jane. She is really demeaning to her. So condescending, so patronizing that anyone's pride would be bruised. So I don't even know if she's censuring Jane here. I think she's just basically like, how could you stand that woman for more than 30 seconds? Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way she's like sympathizing with Jane here, like, why are you hanging out with her? She's keeps saying like, oh, you're so poor. It's so cute. It's like, oh my God, honey, you don't know what you're doing. I got so mad at her. We're going to get there in a minute. But when she was like, you can't take care of yourself. It's like, shut the fuck up. Be quiet, Augusta. Be quiet, Augusta. Um, Jane puzzles Emma in general because she's like, why does she stay here when she's got nothing here? And why does she choose the companionship of Mrs. Elton over people who really love her like the Campbells? My thought is that she's got some drama over at home with the Campbells and that's why she's staying here. Um, And Emma is using this to, you know, say, hmm, I wonder if she's got some drama at home with the Campbells. Another thing that came up word-wise is privations, which is a state in which things that are essential for human well-being, such as food and warmth, are scarce or lacking. So she's saying Jane is poor. Why Mm -hmm. is she here? The Campbells are staying in Ireland longer than expected and wrote to Jane to join them, saying they would take care of everything, the travel, the lodging, whatever, and Jane is still not going. So Emma thinks there must be something or someone that has said to Jane, whether it's Jane or someone else, saying, you cannot be with the Dixons. What is it? So Emma's just, you know, further mm-hmm. furthering down her rabbit hole of Jane and Mr. Dixon. 
but mostly she's wondering why she hangs out with the Eltons. Emma then brings this up to Mrs. Weston, who says, well, you you can't really blame Jane for wanting to get out of the house when you think about who her aunt is. It also shows her to have a pretty high tolerance for obnoxious people. Yes. Well, we knew that kind of because she's just so quiet, quiet. But yeah. Also, I would note this is the sass scene where it's Mrs. Weston, Emma, and Knightley, and I want to hang. So first it's Emma and Mrs. Weston, and like they're talking, and then it says, and Knightley said this, and I was like, he's there too. Perfect. I could, I was just like, oh my God, this is the best hang sesh <laughs> ever. This is our fave group. They're going to just dish. Yes. Knightley says that he is sure that Mrs. Elton wouldn't be Jane's first choice of friend, but, quote, she receives attentions from Mrs. Elton, which nobody else pays her, and he gives Emma a meaningful look. And I know that he's, like, saying Emma doesn't pay enough attention to Jane, and we all know this, but also everyone else gives Jane attention. Yeah, but everybody else is old and sort of, like, out of the realm of being natural friends with her. So, like, he's saying people who are Jane's age, you, don't show her enough attention. Yeah, it's basically like she has a natural best friend right here, Emma, but you're mean to her. Oh, oh, she wouldn't be her first choice of friend, but the only other person who would is you. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yep. And, you know, it's like Jane has a best friend in Mrs. Dixon, obviously, barring complications. So she understands, like, what young lady friendships should look like. But, you know, it's she's in a tough spot whenever she goes home because Emma fucking hates her for no reason yeah gay gay also every time Knightley puts on his i ship emma and jane being friends cap it's so funny it's so cute yeah so mrs weston and emma kind of both notice how strongly he seems to be reacting to this conversation about jane and emma then says well you know i would have thought that attention from mrs elton would disgust jane and Mrs. Weston says, well, maybe Miss Bates kind of pushed her into the friendship because Miss Bates was so like, oh, like, yeah, come over, come over, hang out with us. And Knightley says, Mrs. Elton probably doesn't speak to Jane the way that he speaks of her because the way she's been speaking of her is very like, oh, poor Jane, I'm going to have to do this and this and this for her. And like, she, she just, she needs me. But he says that she probably doesn't say that to her. She probably treats her with respect in person because she's never met someone like Jane who, like, so deserves that respect with her, like, level of wealth or lack mm-hmm. thereof. And Jane, like, is more polished than Mrs. Elton. Yeah, but I don't even think Mrs. Elton sees that because Mrs. Elton sees everything in terms of money. Sure. So, I like, she doesn't even seem to realize even though that she realizes Jane is polished I don't think she realizes Jane is more polished than her do you think that there's any bit of like I want this person to be my friend because I see that she is a worthwhile friend to have because it seems less the way of like Emma taking Harriet under her wing I mean Emma loves Harriet but it seems like Knightley is at least trying to say She's not just taking her under her wing because she thinks she's poor. She's taking her under her wing because she thinks she's worthy and like wants to. She wants this person to be her friend and like show off her, her fancy new friend, like her shiny friend. We'll talk about it more in study questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. As he's saying this stuff, Emma's suddenly thinking of little Henry, meaning she's thinking, "Oh no, does he love Jane?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. She says, well, I know how highly you think of Jane. And he's like, yeah, everyone knows how highly I think of Jane. (laughs) And Emma says, well, I think that maybe, and she like hesitates here. And then she's like, okay, okay. I think that maybe 
you might be surprised by how much you like Jane actually one day. And then Mrs. Weston's just like, record scratch. <laughs> yeah, she's like, are we doing this? This is happening. <laughs> we can't bring it up yet. She's like, it's not time. <laughs> and Knightley is like, he's fiddling with the buttons on his gaiters, which is like his little, the little leather thing on his shoe. I love Knightley so much. He's such a fucking disaster. He's just like, oh, no. He's like, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. That's that's not me. You have not gotten me. He says, he goes, um, if you're talking about the theory that I have a crush on Jane, like, no. Cole already told me that, that people think that a while ago. And, and no. And and no. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. I don't have a crush. Mrs. Weston is, like, kicking Emma under the table. This is my favorite thing. It's like, Mrs. Weston starts kicking Emma under the table, and then later on, he says something else, and Emma starts kicking Mrs. Weston under the table, and they're just like kicking each other. <laughs> um, he says, uh, "It doesn't matter anyway, because even if I did like Jane, she would never have me if I were ever to ask her, and I would never ask her. So, no." And Emma's like kicking hit Mrs. Weston, and she goes, "Well, you know, at least you're not vain. You know that she would never have you." And- <laughs> so sassy <laughs> truly um and he's clearly not pleased by this whatever their conversation is having and um he's thinking and then he goes out of the blue well not out of the blue then he goes so you guys have like decided that i should marry jane fairfax and i was like no i don't want you to get married at all because then you wouldn't come and hang out with us and talk with us like this if you're married and she'd miss him the way that she says it is really sweet. She says, uh, no, indeed, I have not. You have scolded me too much for matchmaking for me to presume to take such a liberty with you. What I said just now meant nothing. One says those sort of things, of course, without any idea of a serious meaning. Oh, no, upon my word, I have not the smallest wish for your marrying Jane Fairfax or Jane anybody. You could not come in and sit with us in this comfortable way if you were married. She wants to hang out. Yeah, she loves him. He's her bestie. He's her best friend. Then he says, well, it doesn't matter. I've never thought of Jane in that way. She doesn't have the open temper which a man would want in a wife. To which I say, I'm not confirming whether or not Knightley believes this to be true or not. I just love the idea that our man Knightley, sexy as he is, loves a blabby broad because that's me. I'm a blabby broad. <laughs> yes. And I I have thoughts about it. Um, so he says he, you know, loves about blabby broad. And Emma says... So did you like shut this idea down when Cole brought it up too? And he says, yes. And Cole dropped it because he doesn't he doesn't want to be, quote, wiser or wittier than his neighbors, which then makes Emma think of Mrs. Elton. So she goes back to Mrs. Elton and she starts talking about her, the friendship between her and Jane again. She's wondering how it came to be. She agrees with Mrs. Weston that Miss Bates probably encouraged the friendship because what Knightley said about um, Mrs. Elton, like, wanting to be Jane's friend because of her, you know, mm-hmm. whatever Jane-ness of it. Like, she doesn't believe that. She mm-hmm. thinks that it's purely... Superiority. Superiority, like her superiority complex. So she's talking about that. And Knightley <laughs> is not listening. He's still thinking about the whole Jane thing. And he goes out of the blue. Uh, yeah, Jane has strong sensibilities and an excellent temper, but but she wants openness. She's reserved, and and I I love an open temper. <laughs> and they're like not talking about it anymore. 
God, Mr. Knightley is fantastic. He's so good. And then he says um, that, you know, he goes, until Cole brought it up, I never even thought of Jane like that anyway. And, and then he's like, bye. And then he leaves. And Emma goes to Mrs. Weston. She's like, so what do you think now? And Mrs. Weston's like, what do you, like, the lady doth protest too much, me think. She's like, she's so focused on telling us how much he's not in love with her that I think you might have missed that he's in love with her. Yeah. I don't know what I think about it, but it seems like the lady doth protest too much. Well, I think that's the end of the chapter. That's the end of the chapter. So that brings us to chapter 16 or chapter 34. Hello, it's Molly from the future hopping in to tell you about a new season of one of my absolute favorite podcasts. Hot and Bothered, hosted by returning Pod and Prejudice guest Vanessa Zoltan, is a podcast that treats romance as sacred. You've probably all already heard of this podcast because in their fourth season, they covered Pride and Prejudice. And now Hot and Bothered is back with a season that is all about romantic films. The first 10 episodes of this new season follow Vanessa as she learns how to critically watch movies by looking closely at the classic 2003 rom-com How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. After 10 episodes, Vanessa will be joined by her co-host Hannah McGregor, a media studies scholar, author, and podcaster, and together they'll look at romantic films from Casablanca to Love and Basketball to When Harry Met Sally. The show is already so fun after just listening to one episode, and I cannot wait to listen to the rest of the season. So subscribe to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts to jump into this new season that's all about romantic films, or to enjoy their previous seasons about Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre, and a personal favorite, Twilight. Again, that's Hot and Bothered, and it can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Also, this August, Vanessa is leading a pilgrimage to Bath for a five-day trip dedicated to Northanger Abbey. Now, I don't know anything about Northanger Abbey, but even I want to go on this trip. Together, you and 20 other Austinites are delving into the story of Catherine Moreland while immersed in a gorgeous city that features heavily in Austin's life and writing, as you know. So if you enjoy contemplative hikes, immersion in a new city, time away from your regular life, and the chance to talk about Austin with fans from all over the world, which I know all of you do, then this trip is for you. So check out Common Ground Pilgrimages at readingandwalkingwith.com. To claim your spot on the Northanger Abbey trip, head to readingandwalkingwith.com slash northanger-abbey-2024. And now, back to this episode. So... Everyone wants to go see the Eltons and everyone's throwing them dinner parties and Mrs. Elton's like, oh, we're so popular. We have plans every night. Look at us. And she just loves parties because of her time in Bath. She's so used to parties and she is shocked that people don't have two drawing rooms. Um, she's shocked at the subpar rue cakes or root cakes, which are tiny, rich, sweet cakes made for roots or evening parties or ruse. I don't I don't know. And um, that they don't have ice at the card parties. And she's like, I got to show them how it's done. I'm going to throw my own party. But, you know, later on in the spring. In the meantime, Emma must throw her a dinner at Hartfield because she doesn't want to do less than anyone else and be considered a Capable of pitiful resentment. God, I love this because you know what? I still associate this as English culture. <laughs> yes. Throwing a party so no one thinks you're mad at anybody. It's a spite party. <laughs> like, it's like, it's just like, oh, it would be impolite to do this even though I hate this person and they hate me. So we should still do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're still going to have this party. It's great. Um, She 
gets Mr. Woodhouse to agree uh, to the party, but someone else must sit at the bottom of the table. Is that like the head of the table? I think so. Okay. He just doesn't want to be at the, the head of the table. Yes. He just okay. wants to sit in the corner with his gruel as yeah. per usual. Yeah. They're going to invite the Westons, Mr. Knightley, and Emma wants to invite Harriet to be the eighth um, out of, you know, she's her best friend, mm-hmm. so she has to, but that would be the most uncomfortable party ever. So luckily Harriet says no and- that was Emma's plan. <laughs> she she knew that was going to be the case. Although Harriet's like, oh my God, I just can't bear him to see him so happy. And Emma's like, he's shit. <laughs> yeah. So Emma invites the person she really wanted to invite, which is Jane, for the drama. Mm-hmm. But also because Knightley said that she doesn't show Jane enough attention and she wants to prove Knightley wrong. So she invites Jane and everyone says yes to coming to the party. So she's, you know, all our invitations were successful, but then a complication arises. This is where, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me comes in for Emma because not an extra person coming to a party. Not an extra person who who's going to be grumpy about it. Who is that extra person you might ask? John Knightley, baby. <laughs> My dude, he wants to drop off his two kids and to like come visit their grandpa. And he's like, oh, can I stay the day at Hartfield? And they're like, well, it's the same day as our party. That's going to be one extra person at the, at the table. I love that Emma's like, oh, God, it's like going to be impossible because not only is that an extra person at the table, but then John Knightley is going to complain that he can't come visit us with having to go to a dinner party. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can just picture him coming and they're like, so we're having people over tonight. And he's like, God fucking damn it. Oh, Michelle. Oh, he is Michelle. He is Michelle. <laughs> But Emma rolls with it, and she's like, it's okay. Like, he might be a ninth ninth person, but he never says anything anyway, like, at parties. So, like, it'll be fine. He's going to complain, but Mm -hmm. he'll at least not talk too much. Unfortunately, on the day Mr. Weston is called to town, he can't come to dinner, which, you know, relieves Mr. Woodhouse because that brings it back to eight, Mm -hmm. which is a manageable number for his brain. Mm -hmm. Um, But Emma's sad about it. Then the day comes, John arrives, and he is... Doing his best to be amiable. <laughs> it's just being like, hello, everyone. I'm here. I like that it says specifically that he, like, doesn't talk to Mrs. Elton. He just looks at her. I love this part so much. Because I can picture the sass exuding off of John Knightley, but also because he says the real point he has in observing Mrs. Elton is to tell Isabella. And the amount that couples talk shit to each other when they leave parties it's so true today yes you know you know the moment where you get back and you're just like it is time to unload all the drama on yeah here is everything that happened i went to a bachelorette party and suffice it to say there was drama for portions of the weekend that i will not disclose and i told mike Every waking moment of that bachelorette party. Oh my God. And you is loving it. Wow. Yeah. So that's exactly what's going to happen here. And I just love that he's like being the faithful husband who goes and is like, don't worry, I'll let you know everything about her. I'm picturing him coming back and being like, my dear, let me tell you this Augusta of it all. He took notes. Yeah, exactly. He's like, she was doing this and then she was doing that. And also it makes a note to say that he likes Jane Fairfax and has known her for years. So it was like having a nice conversation with her. Yes. So he's having this conversation with Jane and he actually has something to discuss with her, which is that he ran into her that morning when he was out walking with his two sons and it had just started to rain. And he's like, Jane, I hope you didn't get caught in the rain. 
Um, I hope you didn't go too far. And she was like, oh, no, it's fine. I, I only went to the post office and I made it home before it got too bad. Mm-hmm. She says she always goes to the post office before breakfast because it gives her a reason to get out and, and move around. And a walk before breakfast does her good. And he says, well, not a walk in the rain. And uh, she says, well, it wasn't raining when I left. And he says, well, he knows that it, it was because he was out in it. And he smiles and he says, well... Uh, when you've lived to my age, you will begin to think that letters are never worth going through the rain for. And then you start thinking, she was going to the post office. Hmm, in the rain. She blushes at this and she says, well, you have all of your loved ones close by, so you don't need to wait for letters from them. I will never be indifferent to letters. And he says, I'm not indifferent to letters. Letters are a positive curse. Which is him saying, I'm not indifferent to letters. I hate letters. I don't want to hear from anyone. Oh, a positive curse. I get it. He's like, I'm not indifferent to them. I despise them. (laughs) I didn't get that. I thought he was saying that, no, they're a good thing sometimes. They're a positive curse. They're a curse. Positively. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) I love him. She says, well, you know, you're talking about business letters. Mine are letters of friendship. And he says, business letters at least could sometimes bring money. Friendship letters never do. So he's basically like, oh, no, business letters are fine. But friendship letters, ugh. (laughs) Friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Jane says that she knows him too well to know that he doesn't believe that. How well does Jane know him? Like They grew up in the same town. So are they like pals? I mean, you get the sense Highbury is not a very large place. So they've Mm -hmm. been friends. And, you know, Knightley and Jane are friends as well. Yeah, I guess that's true. And Knightley loves Jane. Yeah, like it's a small town and Jane, I mean, obviously Jane left at a decently young age to go like live with the Campbells. But, but she comes back and visits. She comes yeah. back, she visits. So she's she's been around the town for years. And so like all these people know each other. Yeah. So he knows them. So she says that it's not his age that makes him care less about letters, but the fact that all of his family and his loved ones are in his general vicinity. And until all of her loved ones die, she will always go to the post office in any weather, even worse weather than that morning. And John says he wasn't talking about time making her older, but other things which time brings, which are one, that it will lessen the attachments of those not immediately within her circle. And two, that maybe in 10 years, she will have as many loved ones nearby as he does, which I think is really sweet. And also the thing about time making you less close to the people who are far away is so real because like you don't necessarily see the people that live more than like half an hour away from you yeah back in college everyone would always say like oh these are the best years of your life and I would always say things like I hope not um (laughs) I have a lot of life left hopefully and I I wanted to get better than this yeah but one grain of truth to that which I would I don't concede that college is the best years of your life I don't think they are Mm -mm. um I'm much happier now that I was in college Mm -hmm. um but I do think there is a magic to having your friends gathered together in the same place that is harder to get when you're an adult and New York is just again one of those places where it's really difficult to see people all the time because it's a large city and everyone's always busy so there is some truth to this that makes me sad that you don't get to see the people you love as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I, I don't feel as strongly about it as uh, John Knightley does. No, I don't feel as strongly about it as John Knightley does for sure. But I, I do like agree with you that like when I could just walk outside and go to my best friend's house, that was amazing. And now I feel like 
I mean, it's amazing because I've become much closer with you, for example, because we both live in Brooklyn and I get to see you hey. whenever I want. And also, but, you and I have a podcast where we have to maintain our yeah, friendship yeah, yeah. That's true. we like, see each other for it. So true. But I don't see my friends that live in Manhattan more than like once a month anymore. Yeah, it's tricky. And it's because like we're always, you know, like busy. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is a New York thing in particular or it's just like a big city thing, but like listeners, if you also feel this, like it's really hard to make time to see people who you adore when you have like a full time job and a full time podcast and responsibilities. It just things fall through the cracks. But yeah. I, I encourage you to uh, work on uh, making sure that you do actually add to to your list in your freaking brain that you're supposed to go see your friends when you it's difficult to do so yes because it's worth it always <laughs> agree anyway yes so sweet sentiment from john and she smiles and she says thank you and she means to laugh it off but you can see like her lip quivers and she blushes a little bit and a little tear forms in her eye and she's like i don't know if she's saying like i'm so sad my people are far away or like oh that was sweet but something yeah both mr woodhouse then swoops in <laughs> and he's like oh my god you got caught in the rain did you change your socks this is perfect because this reminds me so much of elizabeth bennett walking through the mud to go see her sister everyone's like i heard you walked outside <laughs> in odd weather oh my god wait it kind of is yes and then also just now i walked home from work and it was raining and i got home and I was eating my poke bowl and Mel comes out from the class she was teaching and she sits down and she's like, like, how was work? Blah, 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 blah. Did you walk home? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, was it raining? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, do you need to go use socks? It was like the same exact thing. It's so true. I got in. Mike was just like, you're wet. (laughs) (laughs) It's raining. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Chivalry is not dead, folks. (laughs) Or was it called the night headedness? The night errant. The night errant isn't dead, folks. <laughs> so Jane says, yes, she did change her socks. And Mr. Woodhouse says, oh, me and Emma are so glad that you were able to come. I wish I was able to visit you more. But like, we're really glad you're here. And then he's like, OK, I did my duty. I was the good host. And he goes and sits down. Now, news of Jane having been caught in the rain has reached Mrs. Elton. And she comes over. Honey, no. Oh, my God. You poor thing. You don't have a servant who can take your letters to the post office. Mm, we can't have that. That's so sad. It's absolutely infuriating. She's yeah. like, you can't take care of yourself. Like, why did you go out in the rain? You should have asked me for help. Why wasn't I there? It's like, like this is also one of those things where it's like, you know, when someone acts like you're best friends and you're truly not. Yes. Like she's acting like they've been besties for years and they've just met. Just met. She, Yeah. That's her MO is just like making people think or making herself think that she's people's best friends. She then turns to Mrs. Weston and that's when she's like, Mrs. Weston, you and I must exert our authority over this and tell her that she she is wrong to go on the rain. We have to brunch. We must brunch. We must brunch. Oh my God, we must. Yes. Mrs. Weston plays along and is like, oh yes, like Jane, your health is kind of delicate. You don't want to go get, get sick again. And Mrs. Elton is like, we won't let her. She says, um, she'll have one of the men who fetches her letters go and get Jane's letters too. She says, one of the men, I can't remember his name, when they probably have like two men. Oh yeah. And also like the, the combo of both being like one, she probably has like three servants. Yeah. Two, she is 
an asshole for not remembering her servant's name. Emily Gilmore much? How dare you besmirch the name of Emily Gilmore in this home? How dare you? I'm so sorry. Get her, guys. It's just <laughs> the one time she was like, um, well, I thought Sarah, whatever. And they're like, Sarah, her name's like Lindsay. Or like, no, you no, know, it's, it's true. Emily I mean? Gilmore is really mean service. Yeah. But yes, I, I agree. Yes. She's not yes. anywhere near. But we, we cannot compare Emily Gilmore to Augusta. No, absolutely not. Yes. Augusta is more like, um, she's like Logan's mom. Oh, I don't know. Listeners, who's Augusta and Gilmore girls? We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Jane says, I, I really don't want to give up my early morning walk. It's good for my health. I, I, the post office gives me a reason to get out. And Mrs. Elton's like, no, it's already determined. As much as she can determine anything without the concurrence of her lord and master. Vom. She says, oh, but Mrs. Weston, you and I must be careful about the things that we determine on our own. Mm. Like, what? Yes. Because we're married. Yeah, we just, we have, we have our husbands. And these, like, single girls, they need our help. And Jane says, well, no, I really cannot accept that offer. It would be an inconvenience to your servant. And and if I didn't like doing it so much, then my grandmother's servant could do it. Uh, he, he always does when I'm not here. And Mrs. Elton goes, oh, but Patty already has too much to do. Like as if she knows their servant by name, mm-hmm. like by first name. This is her her lack of polish and her familiarity coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, Patty already has too much to do. And, and besides, it's a kindness to employ our own men. And Jane then changes the subject, turning to John and going, the post office is so great, isn't it? It's so rare that a letter goes missing. And you just feel like John is like, thank God someone's finally talking about it. It's so great. He's like, they're yeah, s- I love the post office. They're so good at handwriting at the post office. It's awesome. He's like, yeah, these people know how to read people's handwriting. And, and then he goes, you know, if you want to marvel at, at why they know how to do it it's because they're paid to john knightley has been waiting his entire life to be asked about the post office at a party he's been thinking about this for days exactly then (laughs) um they continue to talk about the handwriting and everything and he's like you know i've heard it said that handwriting is similar between people of the same family for example i've never been able to tell isabella and emma's handwriting part and then knightley jumps in and he says well emma's handwriting is the stronger of the two hmm and Mr. Woodhouse then goes, oh, both my daughters write beautifully, as does poor Mrs. Weston. And Emma starts to say, I never saw any gentleman's handwriting. And she like has turned to Mrs. Weston, but Mrs. Weston is saying something to someone else. And then Emma has this moment to just a spiral for a minute. <laughs> She's like, oh, wait, I want to bring up Frank Churchill, but can I bring up Frank Churchill? How do I bring up Frank Churchill? Like, is it appropriate to bring up Frank Churchill? Oh, my God. And so she's just like sitting here having this moment while Mrs. Weston is saying something to someone else. And then Mrs. Weston finishes what she's saying. And Emma's like, now's my moment. <laughs> and she says, Frank has the best gentleman's handwriting I've ever seen. And Knightley then goes, Frank like writes like a girl. Such bitch trackers. It's iconic. Sexist in this moment, but iconic. And at first I thought that the ladies, because the ladies both turn on him then, and I thought that they were being like, how dare you say that? But they're actually saying, how dare you say that in like a, don't besmirch Frank's handwriting like that. And not in a, how dare you say that he writes like a girl is an insult. So I was a little disappointed. Well, I think the idea is that he's writing with small hands. And so his handwriting is small. Oh, he's got tiny tiny hands. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a, there's a clock on Frank Churchill's hand size. And you know what they say about hands? Big gloves, small gloves. No, it's small, small hands, big gloves. <laughs> is that is that the same? No. <laughs> it's oh, uh, small feet. Yep. Yeah. 
So it's penises. Pe- yeah, 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 penises. That's what I was saying. No, I got it. Back to Nightly. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> um, penises. Uh, they say that this is an aspersion, which I had to look up. It means an attack on the reputation or integrity of someone or something. They say that his handwriting is, isn't big, but it's strong and clear. And Emma then asks if Mrs. Weston has a letter from him because, uh, she can prove it, but Mrs. Weston doesn't have a letter on her. And Emma goes, you know, I have, I have one in the other room. You know, you remember when you had him write that note for you the other day, Mrs. Weston. And Mrs. Weston says, he says that I told him to write that but he he wanted to write it himself and i was like no i'll go get it i'll go get it um and knightley says well if he was writing to a fair lady like miss woodhouse of course he's going to use his best handwriting and at this moment we can finally leave this conversation because it's dinner time and mr woodhouse goes to get uh mrs elton and lead her to the dining room but before he can do so she's like oh my god i'm so i don't want to go first into the dining room <laughs> i'm so ashamed of always going first into the dining room mm-hmm. and Emma, while this is happening, is just thinking about how Jane was so insistent on fetching her own letters. Mm. She thinks that this morning's walk must have had some special letter because Jane seemed to be glowing tonight. And she was going to ask something about the Irish mail system, but she decides not to because she is determined not to look like she's trying to hurt Jane's feelings in any way at this dinner. So that brings us to Becca's study questions, starting with the relationship between Mrs. Elton, Augusta herself, and Jane Fairfax. Let's chat. Why are they friends? What is Jane Austen doing here? It's definitely a parallel of Emma Harriet mm-hmm. and that relationship. Um, and I guess showing, at least for me, what it shows is like the value in Emma and Harriet's relationship and that Emma does seem to really value Harriet as a person, whereas Augusta, to me, it seems like Augusta doesn't necessarily value Jane, but wants Jane to be her friend because she needs a person. Well, I think you're right on the money right there. That is uh, precisely, I think, what Jane Austen's getting at. But if you look back at the beginning of the book as to what the relationship between Harriet and Emma was, it looked different. Yes. Emma had just lost her best friend to marriage. Mm. Um, And she was like, I'm desperately in need of a new companion. This girl is poor and not as classed up, but I bet she'd do a good job. She's super pretty. She's super sweet. Um, So let me just fix her up to make her like my bestie. And then I will have fixed her life and I'll have fixed my life. And she's going to flatter me the entire time. Mm -hmm. Looks a lot like what's happening here. Obviously, there are differences. And I think one thing to highlight is Emma's class level versus uh, Augusta's class level. Harriet's class level versus Jane. It's almost like you swap. Mm-hmm. in that case mm-hmm. but I, I do think it's an unflattering portrait of mm-hmm. how Emma and Harriet started being friends yeah once again you see this parallel between Augusta being sort of like a dark side of the moon Emma she really is because, yeah and Emma and Harriet's friendship has grown since then but I do remember at the beginning being like I don't think this is genuine and like feeling like Harriet was Emma's little friend and and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess also there have been times when I felt like it wasn't genuine up till now. Um, just comparatively, it seems genuine. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, I think there are some really long passages where you can see Emma caring a lot about Harriet's feelings and how thinking highly of Harriet as a person. And they've gotten emotionally bonded in a lot of ways. So that friendship does look different than it used to. But- and Harriet has has changed Emma 
like Emma has through Harriet seen her own failings mm-hmm. and like tried to make herself better. Yeah. 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 Why is Jane Fairfax still in Highbury? I Emma's on to something with this whole Mr. Dixon thing. <laughs> because it's true, like, why would she not go with the Dixons if she got this invite? Unless she's in love with someone in Highbury. Mm. Mm. On that note, who do we believe on night facts? Mrs. Weston or Emma? <laughs> I don't know. I'm flip-flopping. <laughs> You're so stressed. <laughs> I really am because I don't know because I feel like I keep flip-flopping when I was reading this. I was like, Knightley's in love with Emma. I was like so convinced as I was reading. I was like, he's not talking about Jane. He's talking about Emma. Like that's what Emma's I- the blabby broad. Yes. That's what I was thinking. But also the way he was denying it and talking about it now, I'm like, why is he denying it so much if he like really didn't think that? That's a good question. And I'm not going to answer it. Of course you're not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The way you said that was as if I thought you might. (laughs) Come on. We've been doing this a while. I don't give you the answers. I just raise the questions. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I would also say iconic stuff from our guy, Mr. Knightley. Love him. Just like mm. Jane Austen has this capacity to write her love interests so that they're kind of polished, but they're also disasters. Yeah. And it's like amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Except Brandon, who is not a disaster, just a pining sweet soul. He is pining sweet soul. He's he's so cute. But Darcy's a disaster. Oh, Darcy is. mm. It's like you couldn't have written more of a disaster. Such a disaster. Yeah. Oh man. But I love I love this part. He's like, no one don't love her. No He's one like, what don't. Are you, what are you talking about? No one don't. <laughs> all right. Um, do we think Mr. Knightley wants to marry at all from this statement? Maybe not, because I mean Emma is so adamant that Knightley doesn't want to marry, and we've thought that that's just her being like, I don't want Knightley to get married, so I'm saying he doesn't want to get married. But, like, maybe he also doesn't want to get married. And maybe Emma just knows him really well and knows that about him. But the way he was talking about it, he was like, well, I'm never going to ask Jane to marry me anyway. So, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he just would miss Emma too much, too. Maybe they're just best friends and and would miss each other too much. Uh, why didn't Jane want anyone seeing her letters? Jane doesn't want anyone seeing her letters because there's it's full of secrets. <laughs> That's why her hair is so big. Yeah, yeah. That's why her boobs are so big. Canonically. Canonically big tits. Yeah, she got she got titties. <laughs> Any speculation to who she's writing to? Well, I feel like it would be basic to say Mr. Dixon. <gasps> hmm. Okay. So I'm still like a little bit thinking that there's something going on between Jane and mm, Mr. Uh, Frank Churchill. Mm-hmm. I still think that a little bit. But also, you know, there's a world in which she and Knightley are having a steamy affair and writing each other letters. <laughs> but I think uh, either. I feel like we wouldn't be led so to think that it was Mr. Dixon if it was actually Mr. Dixon. So what you're saying right now is you think that it is a man's. I think she's uh, well, um, I mean, I in, a, in an ideal world, it would be a lady, but I don't think that's what happened. Listen, we can write the fan fiction with Jane Fairfax and Emma Woodhouse after this after. Or, or 
some kind listeners can send it our way because there's a lot of Harriet and Emma fanfic, but quite honestly, on this reread, I'm like, mm, the tension's with her and Jane. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I have plans to write that excellent adaptation. Stuff. So, um, but so so you're saying you think it's a man's, mm-hmm. um, and you have narrowed it down to three options. Three options: Mr. Dixon, Frank Churchill, and Mr. Knightley. Okay, and we are not going to decide which one of those it is. Mm-mm. Okay, funniest quote. Emma was on fire today. She had a lot of great internal monologue moments. Augusta is like a treasure trove of sassy, rude comments. It's fantastic. Truly. I also did an LOL at Jane's passage about how much she loves the post office and how rare it is for something to go missing in the post office because the postal system today is is not so. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, we don't know how it is in the UK. British listeners, tell us if you guys have a great postal service because our U.S. postal service is um, spotty, to be generous. Yes, and and no shade to the postal workers. We love the postal workers. No, and I don't think it's their fault it's spotty. It's, oh, there's, no. There's a lot of factors as to why. but well, well, like Jane says, there's hundreds of thousands of packages with lots of different handwritings and so many different hands that they have to pass through. They're bound to fall through the cracks. Exactly. Well, I already read one of mine, which was the poor Jane Fairfax in response to Augusta taking her under her wing. She's like, oh, poor Jane Fairfax. The other one, the gentleman's handwriting spiral that Emma goes on, Mm -hmm. I just thought was prime. Um, She says, I never saw any gentleman's handwriting, Emma began, looking also at Mrs. Weston, but stopped on perceiving that Mrs. Weston was attending to someone else, and the pause gave her time to reflect. Now, how am I going to introduce him? Am I unequal to speaking his name at once before all these people? Is it necessary for me to use any roundabout phrase? Your Yorkshire friend? Your correspondent in Yorkshire? That would be the way, I suppose, if I were very bad... No, I can pronounce his name without the smallest distress. I certainly get better and better. Uh, Now for it. iconic because we all have that moment where you like want to talk about the person you have a crush on and you're just like i don't know how to bring him up without being obvious or her or them and then you just blurt out the name and you're like oh this person yeah Yeah. and it's like that that was the logical next step did it nailed it no one knew (laughs) a for emma (laughs) a for emma uh questions moving forward um once again who does jane love okay and why does jane befriend mrs elton who wins the chapters i mean i want to say mr knightley which one (laughs) um i want to say george for just being so doofy like all right i'm gonna give it personally to john in my heart of hearts though because not only was he nice to people at a party which we're very proud of him he took gossip home to isabella oh he did and he got to talk about the post office you're so right (laughs) um yeah john john can have this with an honorable mention to george for uh for trying to hold his composure when being accused of being in love with someone no i'm not i'm not in love i'm not in love he said no chance she's no not a, she's not a blabby bra she's 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 too quiet I, I like the loud ones i like the louds thank you very much <laughs> all right listeners that concludes a long unhinged episode of pot and prejudice for next week you're going to read the next two chapters we're going to finish out this dinner party so that's going to be chapters 35 and 36 or following along in a volumed book volume the second chapter 17 and 18 molly anything else gotta add no i don't have anything else to add well then until next time stay proper and go have brunch with a friend 
gonna have brunch. We're gonna. We're gonna have brunch. Pod and Prejudice is edited by Molly Burdick and audio produced by Graham Cook. Our show art is designed by Torrance Brown. Our show is transcribed by Speech Docs Podcast Transcription. For transcripts and to learn more about our team, check out our website at podandprejudice.com. To keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod and Prejudice. If you love what you hear, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podandprejudice to see how you can support us or just drop us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.